Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. What I want to... That was, that was kind of like the bread filling, the bread. I'm going to give you some meat today that goes in that, and it will make sense, all right? Let me just say... Some of my Ugandan friends, after they saw me do that in my uh, thing, they were like. <laughs> and I was wondering whether they were going to try and cast something out of me afterwards. <laughs> but the point I'm going to make today is that's not magic. That's a choice. And I'll explain more. Okay, so... <clears throat> There is a scripture which we're going to start with and end with. I didn't do that this morning earlier. I didn't end with it, but it will today. Uh, it starts with it in Galatians 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, before we came to Jesus Christ, we actually were slaves. Because the Bible tells us that if we sin, if we go against what God wants, if we do it our way, then we become slaves to that. We become slaves to that which we empower. And the trouble is that a slave doesn't own anything. So even though you might have a wealth, you gave it all away to the enemy. And he has the authority and he has the keys in your life. And maybe next week, Helena will take it a little bit further. I'm looking at the chains today. Maybe Helen has got something to say about keys next time. But the truth is that whether we think so or not, without Jesus Christ, we are enslaved. You can do amazing things in this world. You can become the CEO of a multi-million dollar company or even a multi-pound company. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I had got one. Oh, she's just brilliant. Um, so... But the point is, if you don't have freedom, it's worthless. And even those that get to the top of their career and everything else, and they find that in the end it's empty. Because although they might have freedom to go anywhere in the world in their private jet, they don't have the freedom to live and to truly live. Braveheart said in his uh, bit of a mishmash of a Hollywood film, I don't think it was quite true what the history according to Braveheart, but... There's a lovely line from the main character, and he says this, that many, all men die, but only a few live. And I think the, the, the concept is, do we actually live in freedom? And there's that lovely shouty, shouty scene in front of the armies and things, and I probably either need an Irishman or a Scotsman to put the right voice on it. Um, but, it, you know, you can take everything around from us, but the thing you can't take is freedom. And he was making a point to the English as Christians, we should be making a similar point to the enemy, to saying you can't take our freedom. But the trouble is, we can, and we do give it away. In uh, Romans chapter 5, let's just have a little look. I'm going to run through some verses. If you're trying to keep up on an electronic device, get a book. Uh, uh, there we go. Um, Romans 5. And verses uh, 1 to 8, it tells us this. It says, 
Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've had gained access by faith into his grace, into which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in the sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, say that, still powerless, whilst we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Say ungodly. Okay. Powerless and ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, but God, demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Okay, now, what is, is, that's the, the, the gospel in, in a few, few verses there. But what he's actually saying was, you are powerless until you come to a point where Christ sets you free. It may feel like you're, you're exercising power. You're saying, I'm going to do it my way, my, ga- my rules, my understanding, my, my business, my family, my church, my whatever. But if Christ hasn't set you free, then you're not free at all. You're powerless. And yet when Christ does set us free, when we put our faith and our trust in him, when we accept his invitation, which we can only do because he's made a way for us to do so, at that point, everything changes. And instead of being bound up in chains, we are free. And yet, my experience as a Christian, let me say this, not just you, there are some Christians, but my experience is, is that I can live my life bound up and I can repeat things, like my life is on repeat, like the same sins, the same cycles with people, the same relationship cycles in my extended family or, or in other things. I can repeat and repeat. And it can feel as if, the, as, as if my life is bound up, that I am in a box, that I can't break out. Even when I'm hearing what God is saying about my life, I'm saying, well, this is my past. This is what I'm always going to do. This is how it goes. Whether it's in uh, areas of my life of relationships or finance, uh, within families, within uh, the workplace, it can feel as though we are chains, powerless. And yet here, he says, <clears throat> God has dem- demonstrated his love for us and he has died for us. That is the gospel. What we could not do, he has done. And then verse 17, a little bit further on, just that one verse, it says this, for if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, and this phrase, reign in life, say reign in life, reign in life, okay, Uh, through the one man, Jesus Christ. You see... So often I've found my experience, and sometimes I've seen the experience of other Christians, they come up week after week after week dealing with the same issues, same things, and they feel as though they're bound and they're in chains. It's like nothing they can do. They pray hard and they don't see any change. And yet here, Paul is telling us that our, our lot, as it were, our identity is now to reign in life. What that means is to be kings, 
to be queens, to those who have ultimate authority in the kingdom. Now, when we look at people who rule and reign in our land at the moment, we might be a bit, I don't really want to be like them. I don't want to be shuttling backwards and forwards between meetings, trying to plead our case with the European Union and all that rubbish. But the king that I follow, the example of kingship that I follow is Jesus Christ, not even the queen. Our queen only follows the example of Jesus Christ. She's never followed a prime minister. She's never followed another, another kind of model. You listen to her. You listen Christmas by Christmas. You read the biographies and the things that have been uh, written about her. She reigns as one who is a queen under Jesus Christ. And the, the, the kind of king we're talking about, the type of queen we're talking about, is a king who can come and wash his disciples' feet. So we're talking about a king who serves. And a king, her servant, who rules like a king. He has a heart of a certain servant when he's ruling. But when he's serving, he also has the heart of a king. And when a, serv- when a king serves you, it's a lot different than when a, a slave serves you. Because a slave has only got the resources that his master has given. What you have about it. When someone comes up to me and says, pray for me because my asthma, and I, I know that you got healed of asthma, would you pray for my asthma? If I serve as a slave, that person, or if I attempt to speak into the situation as me, then I have no resources. But when I serve as a king, kings know that they can draw upon any resource for that which is in front of them. They have the authority to say, okay, Royal Air Force, Go. Army, go. Royal Navy, go. When a king or a queen declares, when they serve, they are serving with power. Amen. That is worth a clap. Now, okay. So, reigning in life is what we're meant to be. Our experience so often can feel like we're bound, bland, and helpless in a situation. Now, Let's read Romans 8, uh, uh, 15 and 17. He says this. Uh, He's making a point about the the spirit that's in us. And he says, because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Then he goes in verse 15, he says, for you, that's you, did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship and by him, or adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You belong to the family of God. You belong to them. But if we are children, then we are heirs. And heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share also in his glory. So he's saying here, that we are heirs because we are in the family of God. I don't know if you've ever received an inheritance, whether you've gone through that process, but you hope that when your family passes on, they would leave you something. And you go along perhaps to a will reading or whatever, and you would find out what was actually in the estate. Let me tell you something. My father was Adam, and he had the whole of creation, and he gave it away. He went to a pawnbroker's and decided he would do it his way rather than God's way, and he lost the family jewels. And then the only legacy he left me was death. 
So all the way down through my family's line and your family's line, whether you're male or female, if you're a human being, this includes you. You've got no inheritance, and the only legacy you've got is death, slavery to someone else. That's awful. But I have a new father now. I have a new one. And here I am declared by the Spirit in me and by the Word of God that I am a son of God and that I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, at the end of that chapter, you can look it up a little bit later, but this is basically the situation. You are going to sit down in that lawyer's office and hear what your father has left you in a will. And so you're sitting there wondering, what on earth am I going to get in this will? I don't even know what my dad's got. I mean, what's he got left? If you knew my stepfather, you'd think, oh, it's probably not too helpful to be left, whatever he has. But don't worry about that. But you go in, and he goes, oh, okay, Helena. Oh, you're in the will. Helena, you're in the will. And uh, let me just read to you what, what he's giving you. First thing, all things. Oh, but he's listed the all things, so we just know a bit more clearer. So what's, what's he offering you? Uh, your father has left you the world. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but you've got the entire creation, okay? I think there's a little bit of responsibility to look after the planet there, okay? Church. So you've got the world, but it goes a little bit further. and goes, ooh, that's nice. I don't know what you're going to do with this. Um, Life. You've got life. It's your inheritance. And death. Life and death are in your hands. Ooh. And, uh, oh, what else have we got here? Hmm. Helena, you've got all the, the present. That belongs to you now. And, and you've got the, the future. That belongs to you now. Uh, and that basically covers it, really. So you've got the world there. Uh, you've got all things. Um, you've got life. You've got death. And um, you've got the present. And you've got the future. So uh, that's the ring. That's what your inheritance is. What will you leave to your children? What will be the legacy that you'll pass on? What will the inheritance that you've now just inherited? Depends on your choices, really, doesn't it? So that's what we're inheriting. But in, there was something missing in that will. That if you read it and you think about it, it you think, well, no, there's something missing. And then when you go to Romans chapter 8... There's the same thing. It's a more well-known verse. I love these verses. Uh, we don't have time to deal with all of them right now. But um, I love these verses. It starts off with, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Ought to have that one on your wall. There is now, in God's world, there is now no, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Condemnation for you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is illegal. Anybody condemning you now would actually have to go against the might of heaven and the blood of Jesus Christ, which is far, far more powerful. And that includes you. It is illegal for you to condemn yourself. So there's no condemnation. And then he goes on a little bit further. He says, oh, we know that all, in all things, God works for the good of those that love him and who are called according to his purpose. All things. All things, not some things, not the nice bits, but all things. And there's this incredible chain, uh, which, again, we don't have time for, the five links, which talk about how in eternity past and in eternity present, we are already in God. And in the bit in the middle, which is the bit in the, we understand, the calling, we're right there in the middle, 
that's the bit we hear. We hear Jesus calling us and we can respond and we think, wow, it's all about us. But eternally, God has got it all planned and we are linked into eternity, past and present with justification and all these other things. Have a look in that passage if you need to have a little read. It's great. Then we get to 37. He's gone through a whole list. He's talking about death and persecution and all this sort of stuff. And then he goes, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Through Christ, through through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, I feel like I should be doing signing Sue, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Love of God that is in Christ Jesus, sorry. Did you notice there's something missing again? In that list, not anything will have to separate us from the love of Christ. And yet, when I read that about 20-something plus years ago, I saw something immediately, and it made me really worried. What is missing? Nathan, are you paying attention? What do you think is missing from that list on both lists? No, you won't pay attention. That's fine. Anybody else? I thought you were, actually. I thought you were. But you're not the answer I want to give. Who's got that answer? Whoa, thank you. Who said that? Jelly baby, definitely. The past. Did you notice that Helena and you, by the way, got all of those things, but the one thing you didn't get was the past? And in this list, nothing can separate us from all these, neither present nor the future, nor anything else in all creation. The past is not in creation anymore, but can separate us from the love of Christ. Why is the past an issue? Because of this. The past was bought at a price through Jesus Christ. Your past, my past, was paid for. Redemption is not a religious word. It is a, uh, it's a marketplace word. It's when you go back to the pawnbrokers and you take that item which you sold years ago that your great-great-grandfather put in a pawnbrokers and you go in there and you pay the price plus interest and you take back the family jewels. That is redemption. Jesus took back the family jewels. And he gave you a new past. This is why living in the past is a very bad idea. Because the past has changed. Before you came to know Jesus Christ, everything you did was against God and was held against you. When you came to Jesus Christ, the whole of your past and all of the other things stopped being against God. And now, because it says here, everything works together for good, all of those things led you to salvation. The only difference is you've made a choice in that moment. And then from that point on, your past is changed. Because you might know the facts. I was there. I know what so-and-so did to me. They stabbed me in the back. I was there. I failed so badly. And we have other people telling us about our past. But you know the only person that matters? God. Because he was there, and now he decides what the past was. 
So you can visit the past, but you always do it through God. You think about, this is what the blood of the Lamb has done in my past. This is what he has done. This is the memorial to the goodness and the greatness of God. Not, I was a miserable sinner, and I'm always a miserable sinner, and I've always done this. I'll bring this home, personally, as I did this morning. My mother committed suicide when I was 10. My best friend, who was a Baptist minister, who gave me those chains, by the way. Well, not that chain, but that box. Who was a believer in Jesus Christ, he took his life when I was 40. There was a time when somebody close to me in my life, in my family, not long ago, nearly took their life. And it would have been so easy, and in fact it was easy, and for a time I dwelt there in those chains, thinking, this is always going to happen to me. I am going to lose those that I love. They're going to reject me. They're going to go their own way. That is the box that I created. You see, oh my goodness. Okay, we're gone time. So, these chains that are here, they cannot be made by the enemy. And they were certainly not made by God. These chains were made by me. I decided how I was going to be chained up in that. I decided where the padlocks were. I decided to stand there. And do you know it was just drama? It is just drama. It is a trick. It looked like I was chained up, but I wasn't. I'm not clever. I can't pick the locks. You know, Harry Houdini and all of that. It was a trick to the outside world. And for me, as long as I chose to be there, they were real. And the moment I changed my thinking about it, there are no chains. There are no chains. And I'm going to give you a quote which meant so much to me. It's from um, somebody who pastors me from a distance. He doesn't know me, but his teaching helps me. Can you put that um, Bill quote? I cannot afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. I cannot afford it. I can't take my thoughts from the past and apply them to the present. The present is mine. The past belongs to Jesus Christ and he has changed it. So my recollection needs to change. Because if I live in the past with my bitterness, if I live in the past with my regret, if I live in the past with unforgiveness, this is why unforgiveness will separate you. Not practically, well, practically speaking, yes, it separates us. Because whilst we're in a box believing that we're in prison, that's where we're going to stay. And any blessing that God wants to give to us, it will be like prison food and that's about it. But when we choose to do what Jesus told us, which is repent and believe, change your thinking and start living the way that you now think. The chains are gone. I am set free. Uh, we were remembering my favorite song. No condemnation for now I dread. Jesus in him and all, all is, is mine. Alive in him, my living head. I had it at my baptism. I had it at my, my, my wedding, our wedding. And I will have it at my funeral. You know, my chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose. I went forth to... But you see, the thing is, and this is why I needed to preach this morning. I know that's true. But I, years later, was still putting on the chains. Because I believe that I'm a sinner, saved by grace, not a saint, being made right with God. And so every so often, God goes, huh, what are you wearing those for? They don't go with the outfit. 
He cruelly said this was an, a throwback to the 80s. I chose it because it's red. Okay, so I said I'd go back. Just 1 Corinthians 6 is you now belong to him. You were bought at a price. You are his temple. The Holy Spirit is in you. You might like to have your own opinion, sure, but I can't afford to have any thought in mind that is not but his. And the last scripture I said is in one is back in Galatians 5 and verse 1. Let me read it properly again from here. It says, uh, it is for freedom. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not so that we can just do this for him or do that for him or whatever. That's all true, but it is for freedom that Christ has set us free because love loves freedom. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Leave the chain on the floor. If people want to put chains on you, just tell them that it's illegal. There is now no condemnation. You don't want to dwell in the past. You want to live in the present with a hope for the future because in the past there is condemnation and with condemnation there is despair and with despair there is no hope. But I have a hope that is a living hope. And you do too. So let's live that way. Let's live this way. Christians, you have been freed. But I have something to say because there's probably someone here. If you have walked in and for the first time, you have an opportunity to make a choice. Let me tell you this. I had no choice until Jesus made a way for me to have a choice. I made a decision on the 28th of April all those years ago. I made a choice to let Jesus in. I could not make that choice until Jesus had given me the opportunity. The good news is, if you are here today, you don't know how you got in here. But you're just starting to think for the first time, maybe God, God's way is better. This is your opportunity. You can know that freedom eternally. But it, he's not going to force you, but he has given you a choice. You may not feel like you have a choice. You may go away from here and then for the rest of your life feel, oh, I, I, don't, I just couldn't do that. It's for good people or something like that. Now is the moment. Now is the time. Jesus is made a way. You can choose him. And when you do choose him, everything changes. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless. God bless.